listening to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friend. Thank you for tuning in to the Beulah Girl podcast. I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. Tonight's topic is following after Jesus. Last week, I did a segment on the Christmas story. I talked about the angels and the shepherds, and I talked about how the angels delivered to the shepherds a message of joy and how that message is not only a message of joy that was intended for that particular time period, but it's a message of joy for us as well. And if you're going into this holiday season just needing a reminder of the joy you have in Jesus Christ as a follower of Jesus Christ and the joy you have no matter the trials you're facing, I encourage you to listen to that episode and just get a reminder as you're facing whatever stresses and pressures you are in this season, just get a reminder of the joy you have as a follower of Jesus Christ. Today, I want to focus on a different aspect of the Christmas story. I want to focus on the wise men. And the wise men are some of my personal favorite people from the Christmas story. I've loved them ever since I did a paper on a poem over the Magi or the wise men. It was a poem called The Journey of the Magi by T.S. Eliot. I'll provide the link to that poem on BeulahGirl.com if you want to check out my article that ties in with this podcast. But when I read that particular poem, I realized and I just began to see the wise men in a totally different way than I'd ever seen them before. Before they had been just figurines in a nativity scene. And when I read that poem, suddenly they became actual people who I could relate to and who I could learn from. And we can look at the story of the wise men as we are going to do in this particular episode, and we can draw some really important lessons from them about following Jesus and about hearing the voice of God. Perhaps nothing is more challenging in our spiritual walk than trying to decipher at times the will of God or trying to figure out what it is he's saying to us and following his will for our lives. It can feel very confusing at times. We can wonder if he's speaking to us or if we're just hearing our own voice and learning to hear from him is really a process. And I'll be discussing that in the episode and really learning along with you as this is something that has been a challenge in my own spiritual journey as well. Years ago, when I was just growing up in the 80s, we would go on a trip to go visit my grandmother every summer and she lived two states away and so we would have to drive to go and see her now this was before we had the technology we do now so we did not have a computer in our home we did not have email we did not have iphones we did not have gps so when we would go to see my grandmother every summer and take that journey we would have to use a paper map now I know some of you listening to this are too young to ever remember a time where you've seen someone in your life use an actual map on paper, but that's what we would use. And we would navigate our way across the states looking at this map. My dad would usually have my mom or my older sister helping him read the map and telling him which turns to take. And that's how we would get there every summer. Now, obviously today we have a much easier system. We can just pull out our phone We can type in the destination and we have an automated voice on that phone telling us which direction to go. 
How many of you have thought to yourself, I wish that in my spiritual life, it was this simple to know which turns to take. I just had this automated voice in my ear telling me, turn here, take this left, go down this street and telling you exactly how much time you had until you were going to reach your destination. The truth is, what we'll be discussing in this podcast is that God does direct those who follow him, those who have put their faith and trust in him. He does lead us and he directs us and he does speak to us. But it's a matter of us learning to hear from him and really putting ourselves in position to hear from him, which is what we'll be talking about in tonight's episode. To get us sort of started, I want to read the Wiseman story, and this is coming from Matthew 2. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 12 from the English Standard Version, and it is a little bit of a lengthier passage, but I am going to read all these verses so that we can draw these ideas. So go ahead and follow along with me, or you can simply click on the link on my article, which is again on BeulahGirl.com. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the time, in the days of Herod the king, behold, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. A few ideas that we can draw from the story of the wise men following the star to get to Jesus. The first point that I want to make is that, number one, it doesn't matter who you are. What we should note in the passage is the wise men were magicians. They were not part of Israel's elite. They were not Jewish rabbis. They were Gentiles from the east. And yet they saw God's star and they followed it to Jesus. For many of us, the obstacle we have in hearing from God and following God is simply believing that he will speak to us and and believing that he indeed wants to direct us. I was just reading a devotional this week. Oftentimes, God will surround me with with a message that I'm supposed to speak. And this week has been one of those times where it's been all around me. I was reading just in my quiet time earlier in the week, just a devotional that focused on James 1, 5 and 6. And it just was talking about if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it would be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. It was just using that passage and talking about in the devotional and some of the writer's comments, how often we don't believe God will speak to us and it hinders his answer to us when we pray. 
because we doubt that he is indeed going to speak to us or direct us in the way we should go. And often it's our unbelief that hinders what he would be saying to us. Some of us, we disqualify ourselves. We think of a choice we've made in our past, or we just compare ourselves to other Christians and say, we're just not as spiritual as them, or God can never speak to us. But the truth is, John 6, 37 says, All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. We may not feel like we're good enough to hear from Jesus, or we're good enough for him to direct us, but what we must remember is that even the most religious-appearing person, the one with the most spotless past, or the person who looks the best in church, or has the most standing, that person, even that person, is not good enough to stand on his own righteousness in front of Jesus. Jesus makes those who come to him good enough by his shed blood on a cross. It's the truth that we find in scripture, Romans 3.23, all have fallen short of his glory. We are made righteous when we come to him, not because of our own merit, but because of his grace. It tells us that in Ephesians 2.8 and 9, as well as Titus 3.5. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. One of the things that a former pastor of mine used to say is that we don't have to clean ourselves up before coming to God. We simply come as we are, and he's the one that does the work in our lives. We are justified when we are saved, but there is a sanctification process that goes on in the Christian walk, and that is the ridding of those behaviors and habits that are not godly and making us more like Christ. But it is God's work in us that does that process. We don't have to worry about doing that in ourselves and saying, well, when I get things all sorted out in my life, then I'll come to God. No, we can come and we can seek him and we can know that even in this passage that God allowed and used magicians from the east, those that were not part of his elite in Israel or who were not a, a Jewish rabbi of any kind and he gave them a star to follow and he used them in his Christmas story. So similarly in our own lives, we don't have to clean ourselves up. We don't have to try to make ourselves good enough for God. We simply come to him and begin to seek. And we trust that when we do, he will begin to speak to us and help us in those areas that we don't know how to fix ourselves and show us what way to go in our lives. Number two, the second point I want to bring out is the way Jesus leads is often treacherous. When the wise men found Jesus, they were overjoyed, but they quickly learned that following Jesus meant that they would have to go a different route home. It tells us that in verse 12. When Herod heard that there were wise men seeking Jesus, he was disturbed and he summoned the wise men to come and he asked them to go and find the Savior and then when they had to come back and tell him the location of the child. And he kind of sneakily told them that the reason he wanted them to do that was so that he too might worship that particular child. But obviously, we know from reading the rest of the passage that Herod had absolutely no intention of worshiping Jesus. That he wanted to know the location of the Savior child because he wanted to eliminate any kind of threat to his throne. However, we see in this passage that the wise men are warned in a dream not to return to Herod not to tell Herod the location of Jesus. And instead they choose to listen to the dream and they go home a different way than they originally intended. What we can kind of learn from that is that often 
the assignments of Jesus are difficult. They are those that sometimes we would rather not do. We don't know because it doesn't tell us in this passage whether or not the wise men really wanted to go this different way, but we know that they had a different plan. They had intended to go home a different way and they had to change their entire route. Perhaps they didn't want to go this other way, but because maybe it would take longer or maybe it was a way that was more difficult. We don't know, but they had not intended to go in this way originally. And often it's the same with us. We go to Jesus, we seek him, and then he tells us things and leads us in a direction that surprises us. Is a way that we wouldn't necessarily choose for ourselves. And we say, well, Lord, why are you leading me in this way? Or I didn't expect it to be this hard. But what we must know is that even if the plans of Jesus, when we choose them, even if it costs us our social standing with a group, it costs us our job, it costs us our pride because we have to take a lower position than we would choose. What we need to always know is that the assignments of Jesus are perfect. They lead to goodness in our lives and the lives of others. Psalm 1830, the New Living Translation says this, God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. Again, the wise men had their own plans but then they were interrupted. While Jesus' directives may appear difficult and his way harder than our own, we have to understand that when we give up our comforts, our wants, our desires, we get something much better. We get a way that may be hard, but is light and easy. It tells us in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It tells us in this passage of scripture, the way of Jesus is light and it's easy. I once had a discussion with God about this passage. I'll just be honest with you. I was walking through a season where God has direct, had directed me to do some very difficult tasks that I did not want to do. And I really didn't even understand why he was directing me to do the things that he was asking me to do. And I told him during this time, I said, Lord, this feels so heavy. It says in your word that your way is light and easy, but this is so hard and this is so heavy and your way is not light. I told him that I was angry and this revelation washed over me after I told him those words. And this was what the revelation was. God's way is not light and easy because we don't have to do hard things. It's the hard things we do in obedience to him that make our way so, so that make our burdens so light. Conversely, in the world's way, it's much easier. The path is wide and easy and many follow it, but it leads straight to death and we collect heavy burdens when we do not have Jesus or walk. In Jesus's way. Psalm 8410 says this better is one day in your courts, God's courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. The word translation of that says one day in your courtyards is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather stand in the entrance to my God's house than live inside wicked's, wicked people's homes. What it's telling us in that passage is it's better to be someone who 
stands at the door, who opens the door for people or has a very lowly position in the house of God than to have and be the king of your own manor and have a luxurious house that is in, with wicked people, that is living apart from God, doing your own thing apart from the will of God. Thomas A. Kempis, this is a quote from a devotional called Transformation Garden, Transformation Garden, and it's third, uh, December 2nd devotional. But this quote just says, what can the world offer you without Jesus? To be with Jesus is to know the sweetness of heaven. If Jesus is with you, no enemy can harm you. Whoever finds Jesus finds a rich treasure and a good above every good. He who loses Jesus loses much indeed and more than the whole world. Poorest of all is he who lives without Jesus and richest of all is he who stands in favor of Jesus. Again, just emphasizing that the way of Jesus is difficult and hard, but we have peace when we walk with Jesus. We have blessings. We have his presence that we will not have if we do not go the way that he points. Point number three that I want to draw from the wise men is that God maps the course. What we notice in the story is that the wise men weren't responsible for the course or the path. They were just responsible for following. When we seek God, he will show us the way to go. We don't have to worry about what path we should take. If we commit our way to him and continually seek his counsel, he will show us the right way to go. As commentator Matthew Henry says, there arises a day star in the hearts of those who seek him. I read this commentary on the wise men years ago from Matthew Henry, and it was a moment that completely blew my mind when I read those words. Because again, as I mentioned when I opened this podcast episode, I had always thought of the wise men, and maybe you're like me, but I'd always thought of them as just characters in a nativity scene, just not really real people. But when I read Matthew Henry's analysis and began to think about what he was saying, I realized, you know, most of us will never have a moment where we see a physical star in the sky that we're to follow. But in all of us, in our Christian walk, those of us who are following Jesus Christ, what Matthew Henry is saying is that we have a day star that arises in our life. We have Jesus. We have a way to go. And when we put ourselves in position to hear from him, all of a sudden we are led along and we too have a star that we're following in our lives. It says in Isaiah 30, 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. So again, we don't necessarily have something like GPS on our phone, an audible voice that we hear, but inwardly it tells us that the Holy Spirit dwells in us, that he will direct us, that he will counsel us on the way to go. And if we're seeking God's will, we may have some missteps here and there. We may struggle at times to hear from God, but if we are seeking the right way to go, we are going to know what decisions we need to make. We are going to hear from God on a regular basis. Now, God chooses to speak to us in a variety of ways. It mentions many of those ways in the Bible, but I'm just going to mention a few here. He speaks to us through his word. You'll be reading the Bible and there will just be some words that just literally left off the page for you. He speaks to us in dreams. He can give us a vision. 
he speaks directly to us. We'll just have a word sort of drop in our spirit. Again, probably not audibly, but it will just be an impression. And we know that it's God through his Holy Spirit, just impressing a word on our spirit. He speaks through others. We can be listening to a sermon or someone can send us a text or someone can just mention something to us. And we know that God is speaking directly to us. Now, if you have been around any kind of charismatics, I have a charismatic background. I also spent a lot of time in the, in a Pentecostal church. So we talk a lot in those circles about the Holy Spirit speaking to us and directing us. And we're very comfortable with that idea. But one of the things you might hear in charismatic circles is the word rhema. Or if someone says it was for me a rhema word. The word rhema is a Greek word. It's used in scripture. And the word is one that is used in scriptures. Like for instance, in 2 Corinthians 13, 1, it says in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. If we look at the definite or the word in the Greek there word, it's actually rhema. So in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every rhema be established. And rhema in the Greek, it just means a word that is spoken in utterance. Helps Word Studies tells us that rhema is a spoken word made by the living voice and that the living voice, they're quoting Jay Thayer there, and rhema is commonly used in the New Testament for the Lord speaking his dynamic living word in a believer to inbirth faith. So a rhema word is when God drops a word in your spirit or lifts those words off a page that you're reading, perhaps you're reading scripture or when you're listening to a sermon and every word just penetrates your soul and you know that God is speaking to you, that's a rhema word, a living word for you in that moment. It tells us that the word of God is living and active and it penetrates the heart of a believer. So I just mentioned that to say, again, that when we're putting in the effort, when we're spending time with him every day, when we're reading his word, we're spending time to pray, we're going to church and, and we're taking notes on the sermon and attempting to hear from him. We're spending time with other believers discussing scripture and studying it together and discussing. We will hear from him. And often it's these rhema, these living words that he gives us throughout our day. I just want to tell you an experience I had with this recently. I began to just look for the the ways that God speaks and they're often very creative. And often as I was reading in the second Corinthians 13, one verse, often he will confirm more than once. I know he's saying something to me because he'll say it more than once in multiple ways. I'll give you an example. This past week, I just was praying about a particular situation and I just told God, God, I need a little bit of hope in this situation. I need you to speak to me. I really just need to hear from you. And I was feeling really dry and really discouraged. I've gone through a really, really hard stretch recently. Maybe you can relate. My kids have been sick for the last few weeks. It's been just a grueling grind every single day. First, it was my son. We got him all better, doctoring him around the clock. And then my youngest, my 17-month-old, got sick. Actually, now I think she's 18 months. I misspoke on that. But she got sick and it was something that we were in the urgent care with her on Thanksgiving with, she had a high fever and then the fever just kept on persisting and it turned into strep throat and an ear infection. And 
it was literally just this brutal experience because she was, we didn't know at first what was wrong with her and she was whimpering and she couldn't sleep and we were so worried and, and I took her to the doctor and it turns out that she had strep throat and so we've been giving those medicines to her now and she's getting better, but just crushing, I think, workload, trying to um, get the things I need to get done and getting behind and trying to doctor my kids. And just sometimes it may not even be just a huge trial, but maybe you can relate, but sometimes just those small little pesky trials you go through that just never end can be so relent, you know, just so relentless and brutal. I was going through that and I opened up just last week, I opened up a devotional. It was on hope and there was some, just some really inspiring scriptures. And I thought, okay, this is making me, you know, I, I'm really clinging on to these scriptures and this is really encouraging. And I really, you know, knew that God was putting that in my path to speak to me. And then the next morning I was sitting in the car waiting to go to church with uh, my kids. My husband was getting his coffee ready. So we were just waiting in the car. I had turned on the car to turn on the heat and kind of take the chill off of the morning. And the radio station from the day before was on. And it's a radio station, quite honestly, that we don't even listen to all that much. It's a Christian radio station. We usually listen to another one. This is one called the Joy FM that I've only listened to a few times we had been listening to it the day before because it has great Christmas music. And they had a sermon on this particular radio station, a sermon about hope. And again, it was the same message that had been in the devotional, different scripture verses, a little bit different angle. The preacher was speaking about end times and how we're going to be caught in the air with Jesus in the rapture and taking it from a slightly different angle. But again, I knew God was just speaking to me. Every word that that preacher was preaching was penetrating my spirit. And it was only a few minutes. My husband jumped in the car. We went to church. The sermon ended. There was only a few minutes. I listened to it. And then our service started. Our pastor got up and he said that he had planned to do a different sermon for that particular Sunday, but that God had woken him up four in the morning on that Thursday of that week, he had been just overwhelmed by some needs of some friends and he had gotten a different scripture in his mind and he knew he needed to write a different sermon. Now I can relate because I've had moments like that with blog posts where I thought I was going to publish one thing and then God sort of intervened and I had to write something different and I wasn't too happy about it because it was, you know, at the last minute and I just wanted to use what I had. But thank goodness for the faithfulness of this man, because when he began to speak his sermon again, it was going over some of the same points, totally different scripture references, some of the same points that I had read in the devotional and then heard in the sermon. And again, it was just three times that God had spoken this word to me about hope. And that's what God does. He often will confirm multiple times. You'll know that he's speaking to you because it will be on a certain theme. And he'll say it in multiple ways if you begin to look for and listen to what he's saying for you. Now, a lot of people have a problem with the idea of the Holy Spirit speaking directly to people or the idea of believers hearing from God because, you know, you can make the argument that, well, how do you know it's the Holy Spirit? And oftentimes we can attribute just our own will and what we want to God saying something to us. But what we need to know is that what God tells us will never violate his word. And 
It will never violate what he says in his word. And oftentimes we just know in a moment, because when we familiarize ourselves with scripture, we know and we familiarize ourselves with the voice of God from walking with him a long time. There'll just be a moment where we just know we need to act in a situation. We won't necessarily hear, hear that confirmation three times, but we'll know, hey, you need to do this. And it's something that lines up with the word of God. And we know we need to take that step. But there are other times that honestly, that it's fairly common. I know for me just to pray over a decision or to be mulling over something in my mind or be struggling with something and, and really pray about it. And God will respond by, a, by really repeating multiple times the same message to me. I know he's speaking to me because he'll confirm it a few times. The fourth and final point I want to draw from this passage of the wise men is those who trust his way get to where they need to go. Notice I didn't say they get necessarily to where they want uh, to go, but where they need to go. The wise men followed his star and found him. In contrast, there were those who did not find him on that night because they weren't looking. In fact, the wise men, they had to knock on a few doors and inquire about the Son of God because apparently no one else was going to seek him. Similarly, when Jesus was born, there was no room for him in the inn. It tells us that in Luke 2. When we try to chart our own course and take matters into our own hands, we won't get to where we need to go. I want to just point out to you in the story that the wise men sought Jesus and they found him. And they also listened to, to, to God. They listened when they had a dream that told them to go a different way. They listened and they went in that way. But there are other, there's another person in the story I want to look at. And really other people, but the person I want to look at is Herod. And he had no interest in listening to God. He had no interest in submitting himself to God. And we see a very different story than that of the wise men. Herod was very much a self-made guy. He had a lot of power. He probably had people surrounding him that did his every whim when he wanted. He did everything he could to maintain his power. And he was treacherous in his rule. He had all the males under two in Bethlehem killed simply so that his own throne would not be threatened. But what we see with Herod is even though he worked super hard to keep his position and be this powerful guy, and he was in many ways during his, his reign, what we see is that he could not thwart the plans of God. That if you read a little bit further in the passage that I did not share with you after verse 12, that Joseph was warned in a dream to take his family to Egypt to get Jesus away from Herod so that Jesus would not be killed with the rest of the male children under the age of two. And so even though Herod intended to kill Jesus, Jesus was not killed. And we also see what happens to Herod. It tells us in verse 19 that Herod died. And then Jesus went back to that region. Joseph and moved his family back to the region um, went back from Egypt and were able to move back. But we see that Herod 
his plans and everything he did to maintain his power, how ridiculous he looks in hindsight compared to the wise men. While the wise men left behind a legacy and were learning from them, Herod also left behind a legacy. But it was nothing like what the legacy of the wise men and the people who follow Jesus. God has given us all promises of what he will do in our lives, but often the path to those promises is confusing. It's twisted. It's difficult. And often we'll be tempted to simply turn from the path that God is leading us down because we don't like the way it looks. It doesn't tell us how long the wise men traveled to get to Jesus, but it was months and possibly more than that before they found Christ. Surely in that time they got discouraged. They questioned the route. They wanted to give up, but they didn't. And they got to where they were going. Similarly, in Mark 6, 45 through 53, there's a story of the disciples. And this, of course, is when Jesus has grown up. He's already started his ministry. He has disciples. They've just finished the miracle of feeding the 5,000. And he sends his disciples onto the sea to get to the other side. He himself goes up to a mountaintop to pray. He tells them he'll meet up with them later. And when he goes up to that mountaintop, the disciples are left alone. There's a storm that comes up as they're rowing across this lake. And the storm is difficult. They are tormented by the winds and they have great difficulty trying to get across this expanse of water. In fact, they're rowing for hours and hours and hours and Jesus waits and chooses to come to them not until the fourth watch of the night, but he does come to them. He walks across the water. He gets in the boat with them and they end up getting across to the other side. What this kind of shows us, this Mark passage, just like this passage with the wise men, is that when we walk with Jesus, the way may be very difficult. We may have extreme trials and storms and wonder why he has sent us in the way that he has sent us to go. But no matter the trials that we face, we will get to the place God has told us we are going to get when we trust and submit and walk with Jesus. If we want the kind of life that is possible only with Jesus, a life where we live out our God-given purpose, we have to let him have his way and lead us where he wants. We can chart our own path, but we cannot generate the results that come from walking with Jesus. Only he can do the impossible. Charles Stanley from the Blessings of Brokenness says this, do your part and God will do the part only he can do. I want to just wrap up by reading a quote from J.R. Miller. This is from Streams in the Desert. It says, the quote says this, every difficult task that comes across your path, every one that you would rather not do, that will take the most blessing, cause the most pain, and be the greatest struggle, brings the blessing with it. And refusing to do it regardless of the personal cost is to miss the blessing. Every difficult stretch of road on which you see the master's footprints along which he calls you to follow him leads unquestionably to blessings. And they are blessings you will never receive unless you travel the steep and thorny path. If nothing else, I want to encourage you tonight to follow Jesus at, at, at any cost, knowing that walking with him, that we have the benefit of his presence, his peace. We will not have those things if we walk apart from him. I want to just end in prayer. Dear Lord, 
I thank you that you do not leave us alone, that when we put our faith and trust in you, that your Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us, that you direct us in the way that we should go, that you speak to us, that you take the time to get involved in our lives and personally direct us when we don't know the way to go. I thank you, Lord, just for the peace we have when we walk with you. I pray, Lord, that whatever decisions come up, no matter how difficult they are, I pray that we would choose to go your way and not our own, that you would give us the strength to fight the temptation, to go the easy way and always choose your path, no matter how difficult, knowing that it's the path of goodness, the path of blessings, the path that leads to the place we can never get to on earth. In Jesus' name.